Hello, 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 and welcome to this, the bonus part of today's FYI, where we are taking a look at JFK. And please tell me that you're not one of these people who says GFK. It's not GFK. His name is not George. It's John. And as I said, as a nickname, they called him Jack. All right. Well, guys, I hope you're enjoying our foray into the Kennedys. Now, I I wanted you guys to focus on the accent. I forgot to tell you that, but it's all right. You can always re-listen. And another great way to learn English is by listening to historic speeches. And JFK has got a lot of those up his sleeve. Check him out. Even RFK, Robert Kennedy as well. He's got some really wonderful speeches. And for several reasons. This way you're learning about historic speeches. You're learning the vocabulary therein. And you're also, well, exposing yourself to different accents. In this case, the Massachusetts or the Boston accent. Now, I'm going to try and do it to the best of my ability. But uh, we parked the car at Harvard Yard, right near the bar. Do you know what I just said? We parked the car at Harvard Yard, right next to the bar. Okay, we parked the car at Harvard Yard near the bar. Yeah, I remember a, a friend of mine from Boston. Her name was Kelly. She lived in New York, and she said, I left my car keys at the bar. And I said, what? She goes, I left my car keys at the bar. And I'm like, bah. And she says, no, 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 the bar where we were drinking. And I said, oh, gotcha. So if you can, try and imitate. Remember, imitation is a fun thing to do, and it's also a way to improve not just your pronunciation, but the way you put your words together, all those syntaxes. So I want you to do that. See if you can imitate a Boston accent like John F. Kennedy did. They also extend, uh, see, it's not just the pronunciation, it's the rhythm, the cadence. So I want you guys to focus on that, because obviously in every episode we'll be looking at different places. So if there's an accent involved, See if you can at least catch it and imitate a couple different sentences. I always love imitating the Australian accent. Good eye, mate. What? Good eye, mate. What? Good eye, mate. Yeah, that's how they say good day, mate. Good eye, mate. So for me, imitation has always been a game. But for a language learner, it's survival. It's making people think that you speak better English than you do. And I've seen that before. I had students at a huge phone company, and one student had a huge, I mean, she, she, her level was, let's say, 5.5 on a scale of 1 to 10. Something like that. Somewhere in the middle, right? I don't remember exactly. And there were students who blew her out of the water as far as, um, you know, vocabulary, uh, that kind of stuff. To blow out of the water means uh, dar mil vueltas. But nobody beat her when it came to pronunciation. En cuanto se referiría a la pronunciación, esta tía lo ganó. And she was the most convincing. 
I loved listening to her speak English. And I remember telling her, I said, I'm not hitting on you. No te estoy tirando los tejos, but you really do speak beautiful English. So remember, it's about imitation. All right, well, let's take a look at some fascinating facts about JFK, the man, the myth, the legend. Did you know he was an animal lover? Oh, yeah, he loved animals. His White House was a bit of a zoo. Un zoo, zoo, we say in English. And he had quite a few animals living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, for those who don't know, is the address of the White House. So, let's see what kind of animals Kennedy kept in the White House. He had five horses. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Two parakeets, two hamsters, a cat, a rabbit, and five dogs including a mutt, if you remember from our dog episode, a mutt is un, un perro que tiene muchas razas, uh, named Pushinka. And I know what you're thinking. That's a Russian name, isn't it? Pushinka. Well, that's because it was a gift from Nikita Khrushchev. Pushinka was the daughter of Strelka. And who is Strelka? Well, if you like the space race, then you'll remember that Strelka was one of the first dogs in space. So pretty cool collection of pets over there in the White House. As I said earlier, he was an avid cigar smoker. So how many cigars do you think Kennedy smoked a day? Take a guess. Go ahead. Hazard a guess. Otra forma de decir adivinar. Did you say three? <laughs> Higher. Yeah, he smoked four to five cigars a day. And be careful, cigarettes, cigarrillos, cigars, puros. And he loved his fine cigars. He loved Cuban cigars. Is anybody seeing a problem here? He loved Cuban cigars. However, he placed an embargo on Cuban products in the United States. Hmm... Well, how did that work out? Well, as you guys know, he was involved in the Cuban Missile Crisis. But it was in 1962, in February, when he asked his press secretary, a guy named Pierre Salinger, to help him acquire a large supply of Cuban cigars. And he didn't only want a large supply of Cuban cigars, but he wanted them yesterday. And he asked him, well, how many do you need? And Kennedy responded, about a thousand Petite Upmans. That's the brand, Petite Upmans. And he said, and I want them tomorrow morning. And so everybody said, wait a second. Um, ah, he said, but when Kennedy or any president says, I want this and I want it now, uh, there's a bunch of people who start moving to make that happen. Now, what happened? <laughs> this is the funniest part here. The next day, he signed that embargo. So Cuban cigars became illegal from one day to the next day. But Kennedy made sure he got his stash before he signed that document. <laughs> As I said, the guy was pretty bright. And aside from being a heavy smoker, alguien que fuma mucho is a heavy smoker. Alguien que bebe mucho, 
a heavy drinker. Y alguien que bebe mucho, que pesa mucho, a heavy, heavy drinker. <laughs> okay, that wasn't that funny. But uh, he was hooked on pills. Now, remember how I told you guys I have to learn at least a few things in each episode? Because obviously it's my curiosity that this show quells as well. And to quell is like satisfacer. He was hooked on pills. And I guess it makes sense because, as I said before, he struggled with Lucho con Addison's disease. And the way he was able to deal with the pain that he was suffering was amphetamines. Now, at that time in history, nobody really knew the adverse effects or the side effects of amphetamines. So it was fairly common for people to be popping pills. But uh, both him and his lovely wife, Jackie, were both dependent on amphetamines by the time he became president. So that's pretty crazy. Oh, and it's a little bit off topic, but if you haven't seen it, there's a documentary called Dope Sick. It is mind-blowing. It has to do with pill popping and getting addicted to pills. But who knew? I didn't know Kennedy was addicted to pills. And if the president was and, and his wife, well, I imagine many other people were hooked as well. Remember, we say addicted to or hooked on. Another thing JFK was hooked on was the ladies. Oh, yeah. He was a ladies man. Well, he was good looking, right? He was charismatic and he was a powerful guy, the most powerful guy in the world. So you, you mix all that together and you get a dangerous cocktail. And it was no secret. Everybody knew that JFK had several affairs during his marriage to Jackie Kennedy, who, by the way, I mean, you couldn't get more beautiful than that. And not just beautiful, smart. She was herself a symbol. And some would say, at times, she even upstaged Kennedy. Quitarle protagonismo. I mean, have you seen this woman? I mean, she is iconic. And we could do an episode on her as well. Her, remember, she, was, uh, she wasn't a nobody when they met. She was, no era un don nadie. Her family was very, very wealthy as well. So Jackie Kennedy, Onassis, well, now you guys know, she, Beauvoir, Onassis, her name has changed quite a bit. And she's a New York lover. In fact, Grand Central Station was remodeled and restored thanks to her efforts. So uh, I don't want to undermine or, you know, I don't want to take any protagonism away from her, but maybe we'll do an episode on her in the future because she was uh, just as iconic as him. Okay, she wasn't the president, but she was turning heads and getting people's attention just as much, if not more, than her husband. But that wasn't enough for him. He wanted to go and see else, what else was out there, right? And uh, as you know from our Marilyn Monroe episode, they had a little fling, una cosita. Well, think about it. Most powerful woman in the world, most powerful guy in the world. Let's do this. I'm not um, excusing that behavior, but I, I understand how they did it. Uh, again, I personally, because of my own morals, I don't, I don't do that. 
But, you know, he was like, you, me, yeah, too. Wow, that would that would be a that would make headlines. No, eso sería portada. He uh, he was known to have affairs. He loved his actresses. He loved women, but uh, women of all kinds, not just white women. He was the first person to ever dance with an African-American woman. At, it was at his uh, in, inaugural ball. And well, OK, yes, he was like, OK, she's a woman. I'll dance with her. But no president had done that before. It was unheard of, insolito. And so Kennedy believed, aside from being a, a ladies' man and he loved dancing with ladies, he believed in equality. And that gesture in itself, you know, turned a lot of heads. People said, wait, the president is dancing with a colored woman. Eso es como se llamaba en aquel entonces. And during his time as president, and as I said, just over a thousand days, he invited dozens, docenas, dozens of African leaders to the White House. So he was, you know, he was about equal rights, he women's rights, uh, the rights of the Afro-Americans and, and everybody. And that's another reason I think that his legacy lives on, because obviously we're still pushing in that direction. So we could say he was ahead of his time. Another interesting fact is that uh, he was a speed reader. A speed reader is somebody who can read really fast. So it's said, se dice, it's said that the average reader can digest about 250 to 300 words per minute. Does anybody want to guess how fast JFK could read? How many words per minute he could ingest? Did you say 500? Did you say 600? What about double that? Okay, get out of here. 1,200 words per minute? You've got to be kidding me. That's right. So average person, 250 to 300 words per minute. JFK, 1,200 words per minute. That's pretty good. I guess you can ingest a lot more information, and that comes in handy when you're the president of the free world. But it also gave him time to do other things because he was a writer, too. He wrote two books about his experiences in World War II, in La Segunda Guerra Mundial. And he was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for his book, Profiles in Courage. Uh, I haven't checked it out, but now that uh, now that I know the name of it, I might give it a listen or I might read it. What? Give it a listen? Well, guys, did you know that if you search for audiobooks, the same way you listen to this podcast, you can listen to great speeches and audiobooks. So there you go. Uh, give that a listen. Uh, you can listen to it or you can read it. But since I know you like listening, well, see if you can find it. Profiles in Courage. 1956, and it's uh, short biographies describing acts of bravery uh, by the United States troops, and obviously it's uh, autobiographical. And he wrote the book while he was recovering from a difficult surgical operation on his back. As I told you, he had chronic back problems. So there he was again, you know, bedridden. Tenía que estar tumbado en una cama, and he wrote a book. I think, again, the lesson we can take from Kennedy is adversity is our friend. Bring it on. A mí no me asusta. Bring it on es que venga. <laughs> it's a very native way 
to express that. So imagine that a president who won a Purple Heart, a Pulitzer Prize, and I think the hearts and minds of the people and not just the people of the United States. And he loved the arts as well, not just writing. He believed that the arts were essential to any civilization. And he created the position of special consultant on the arts. This was in 1962. So he believed in fine arts, bellas artes, and, and myself too. And not just because of the aesthetic value, the beauty of art, but the story and the stories that art tells us. We know that if we want to really find out what was happening in a given time, all we have to do is look at their artwork, listen to their music, because obviously the news, well, they have their opinions. And But this, artists, it's just expression. And many times they're expressing the time they live in or the place that they live in. So he was a huge fan of the arts. Another little-known fact is that he was a Bronx boy. What? A Bronx boy? JFK? Well, yeah, he spent his middle school years in the Bronx. Even though he went to private school in Connecticut and was born in Massachusetts, he spent some time in the Bronx. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, middle school, in case you don't know, it's right before high school. So that would be seventh and eighth grade. I don't know what the equivalent would be in Spanish. So there it is. He's got his book smarts. He's got his street smarts, right? Book smarts es como eh, sabiduría de cifras, historia. And street smarts, I think you say mundología. Como moverte en el mundo. Seemed like a really balanced young man. And sure, why not? He had a dad who was willing to help him and, and all his children really move up in society and keep that Kennedy name alive, that legacy. But sometimes I think, and this is just my opinion, that his relationship with his dad, uh, however it may have helped him become the president and, well, get into the military, as we said before, it also hindered him because, well, his, fa his father had some, some dark cronies, some crooked cronies. You know, I love to play with words. Crooked, que no son honestos, and cronies, amigos. And, well, he, he ran with, um, with a tough crowd, vamos a decir. He had mob ties. ¿Qué? ¿Tenía corbatas de mafia? No, uh, ties también es vínculos. He had mob ties. I'm not talking about JFK. He, he did as well, but they really came from his dad. And he wasn't stupid. JFK said, well, I'm going to use these connections. But remember, if you ask for favors, a lot of times you have to pay those favors back. And, well, Kennedy, if you just look at his, his group of friends, he was friends with Frank Sinatra. In fact, Frank Sinatra was having trouble. All right. You can say having difficulty, but es mucho más común decir. He was having trouble getting United Artists, which is a distribution, a production company, to greenlight uh, a novel, the, the Manchurian Candidate. Well, a novel which was going to be 
a movie. And to green light, como puedes imaginarte, es darle la luz verde. So uh, they didn't want to make it. The studio didn't want to make it because it was too controversial. You can also say polemic, pero solemos decir controversial. But Sir Sinatra persuaded Kennedy to persuade is to convince. He talked him into it and said, listen, Kennedy, they don't want to make this movie. I really want to get this movie made. Maybe you can help me out. And he used his connections to get the movie made. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. Hello, United Artists. Yeah, this is the president of the United States, Mr. John F. Kennedy. Yeah, I'm calling on behalf of my friend Frank Sinatra. He said you don't want to make his movie. Is there a specific reason? And uh, they knew, they knew that uh, that meant make the movie, not just because he was the president, but because his father was who he was. And, you know, Joseph Kennedy, his father, very successful, but as I said, crooked. His business was making money during Prohibition. He was smuggling whiskey, and to smuggle is to, to bring in illegally. So, uh, of course, they used those mob ties later on. And as we look at the conspiracies in a little bit, we'll see that the mafia had a motive. I think you say, what is the word you say in Spanish? A motive is a reason to commit the crime. So as much as he was a likable, charismatic guy, he also made a lot of enemies. Uh, he even shared a mistress, un amante, with Chicago mafia boss Sam Giancana. That's not, you know, there are a lot of fish in the sea. You don't want to date a mafia boss's girl. You know what I'm saying? So maybe the Kennedys got in over their heads. Hey, again, these are all theories, and I would love to hear your theories. And again, don't just come up with your own ideas and theories based on this episode, but there's so much content out there regarding not just JFK's assassination, but his life, his relationships, because let's be honest, He's fascinating, right? Just, just the way he looked, the way he presented himself. And for us, you know, years, decades later, to still talk about him with the same fervor, that's, that's power, man. And that's power beyond any president. The problem here, another problem, another um, conflict of interest, we say in English, to bite the hand that feeds you. Morder eh, la mano que te da de comer. Well, Robert Kennedy became attorney general under JFK. And he went to war. And not with a nation, no. He went to war with organized crime. And JFK, his brother, the president, backed him up. Now, what's the only problem here? Remember we just said to bite the hand that feeds? If their money and their influence got you there, you shouldn't really turn against them. Now, these guys were just being honest politicians. But that's not the way it works, as we've realized. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. And that'll bring us right into the conspiracies, the mafia. They had motive. There was a clear motive. Their father was involved and they got money. They got influence to get where they got. And what happened after that? 
Then they turned against the mob and they said, we're going to prosecute you guys and we're going to put you all in prison. And somebody said, wait a second, does this kid know? Do these, do these snot-nosed punks, estos niñatos, do they know who put them there? Are you kidding me? So there's one enemy right there. As I said, very few people these days believe Lee Harvey Oswald, or como se llama, See, I don't, I don't, I, I've forgotten his name because I think he's just a patsy. Uh, a patsy is uh, cabeza de turco, right? I don't, okay, he may have been involved in some way, but remember, he was killed on live TV by Jack Ruby. So dead man can't talk. So some people wanted him quiet. And let's be honest, whatever you think the conspiracy may be, I think we live in a world now where the, the, the official story sounds more like a conspiracy than the other versions. And that's why it's very dangerous to call these conspiracy theories. Okay, a conspiracy theory is that a bullet bounced seven times and turned and, and changed direction seven times in a man's body. That sounds more like a conspiracy and you can find uh you can find out that he had a lot of enemies the fbi the cia as we call them the alphabet institutions no porque son letras del alfabeto so he had a lot of enemies some people say that he wasn't uh, strict enough you know with the vietnam war which was going on with the cuban missile crisis and they said we've got to get rid of this guy deshacernos and even the autopsy, there are just so many unanswered questions, so many anomalies, so many things like, you know, the, the Warren Commission, those were the people who were commissioned, who were uh, put together to come up with the report, the final report. And as I said, that report sounds totally improbable. It, it, from the autopsy, everything. The, the report, instead of answering questions, leaves more unanswered questions. And I'm going to recommend a documentary, but I'm going to recommend it on Patreon. Why? Uh, because it's one of these that YouTube always takes down. Siempre lo quitan. And you know what? That's a good sign. That means that uh, there's some truth to it. And I think we can end there because I think Kennedy's message was that we we have to be honest. We have to be open. You know, we can't run things from the shadows. Desde las sombras. So I'm going to leave you guys with a little speech, a speech that he has that deals with these issues that we just talked about and concealing the truth. We'll see how much of it you can catch. Remember, this is your Boston or your Massachusetts accent. And if you want to hear another version of this song too, uh, Muse, the famous group Muse, also has a song where they use this speech. So give it a listen. And I hope you enjoyed this episode on JFK. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy 
that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent.